In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior Jesus Christ, I pray. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given his only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Glory be to God on high.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, we pray that your grace may always go before and follow after us, that we may be continually be given to all good works. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The first lesson for the 16th Sunday after Trinity is written in the first book of Kings, chapter 17. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what, have, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought tragedy also upon this widow I am staying with, by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him. And he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the mouth of the Lord, the word of the Lord from your mouth, is the truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The second, letter, the second lesson is written in St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the seventh chapter. Glory be to you, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and, with his, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to
Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus. For me to live is Jesus, to die is gain for me. So when my Savior pleases, I meet death willingly. But I suppose it doesn't really matter whether you will it or not. You will meet death. Everyone meets death. One way or another, from one distance or another, at one time or another, everyone meets, comes into contact with, contact with death. The question is, how will you meet it? How shall you meet death so that, it, so that you may meet it, deal with it, prepare for it as a Christian? Today, our Lord Jesus teaches us to meet death as neither stranger nor friend, because it's neither of these, as much as we may try or pretend. Our first attempt and our first instinct, I think, our common way in this life is to try to make death a stranger to make our aim never to meet it, if we can at all avoid it, just, not just our own death, but, but just death in general. Obviously, no one wants to die. But you ever think about just how much of modern life is devoted to, to doing just that, to, to avoiding and postponing death, even to hide any evidence of it from our sight, from our thoughts, to, to hide, to mask any possible indicators of, of aging, imagining somehow that this whole thing of getting older and aging, all of our ailments, is not in fact actually dying. That it ends some other way than in the grave is to pretend that death is a stranger. Someone that we do not recognize because we will not look at it and doesn't belong here, not here among us, the living. And when someone does die, which they do, then we try to hide that away too. We, we hide it away in facilita facilities that deal with that sort of thing. We, we hardly ever see it firsthand. We hire professionals to deal with the dirty stuff. And we pretend that it's always an exceptional event, always like a surprise. So we're able to think of death like a stranger because we've done everything in our power, everything possible, never to look at it. But if we can't do that, when death does come to visit, we, we may then try pretending that it is our friend. We may speak of it with euphemisms. Phrases that make it seem softer, friendlier. Because passing away sounds friendlier than death. Or we might say a celebration of life sounds more friendly than a funeral. We pretend that death, because it cannot remain a stranger forever, because it is universal, everyone dies, 
and is therefore natural. It's, we will we'll say that it's, well, it's just a natural part of the circle of life. As if death is, is just is as, as good for the world as compost is for the garden and manure is for the field. But death is not your friend, nor is it a stranger. The reality of this is depicted for us in the gospel for today. Everyone in that story comes into contact with death. Everyone has to deal with it. So there's a large crowd coming out of the town of Nain. Only one of them was dead. But all of these people, a huge crowd comes out. For death doesn't only affect the dead. It's something that every living person must meet to to mourn the loss of a loved one, perhaps, to support those who are mourning, or simply to realize, simply to deal with the reality that one day the one in the box could be me, will be me, or even my son. Think in particular of the pallbearers, the men assigned with carrying the casket. Some of you have done that. And you felt the weight of death. You know that some caskets are heavier than others. You also realize, too, that they they don't usually pick pallbearers from the old, the feeble, or the weak. It's usually the strong, the healthy young men in the prime of their lives who, when they carry a casket, realize and know full well that they will no longer be that. They become more familiar with death when they bear its weight. Obviously, then, you have this woman who has already buried her husband. She's already met death once. She's no stranger to death. With her husband dead, all of her attention, all of her hopes, and her her hopes for the future of, of her sustenance, And her family lay in her son. Now he's dead too. Here in this case you have, I think, the the two most most face-to-face meetings, run-ins with death that a person can face. The, the, The closest that it hits while we are still alive. Perhaps even more painful than death itself. The separation of a one flesh marital union by death and then the loss of a child that this woman carried in her body and raised with tender care. It's no stranger. And finally, we have the dead man himself. You see, even if you could somehow make death into a stranger your whole life long and try to avoid it at every cup, it will find you in old age or in youth. There's there's a reason why every single person here is under a certain age. Because there is no escape. No one has yet. Death is no stranger. And it is not your friend. This procession in our gospel celebrated no victory. For death is an enemy. Death is the enemy of the life that God gives 
as good. What God joins together. Only an enemy of God separates what God joins together. And the separation that is caused by death is the cause for tears. Jesus does not rebuke this woman for crying. When he says don't cry, he says this in his compassion for her. Even Jesus himself wept going to the grave of a friend. So here's the crux of the story then. The crowd is coming out of the town because everyone meets death. But Jesus does too. Jesus is going in the other direction. But he goes into death too. He meets death. Everyone has. They're all coming out of the town and Jesus going, meets them fed on. When he does, Jesus does not stand aside and let the procession go on by. Jesus does not join in with the procession. He does not go with the grave to them now. Death is no stranger or friend to Jesus. So his heart goes out to the mourning widow. At least in part because he had a mother too who had a son. A mother who, as far as we know, had already buried her husband, Joseph, and would stand at the, at the foot of a cross to watch her son, her firstborn, die. Jesus wept at the death of a friend. He had compassion. That means he suffered with her. He suffered with and being found in the appearance as a man. Jesus being the incarnate, in the flesh, God. Jesus, by coming down into our world, our world where death is not a stranger, Jesus went to, made himself susceptible to death, made himself able to die. He could have died when Herod sent soldiers to Bethlehem to kill all the baby boys. He could have died when they tried to stone him. He could have died from the scourging. And he did die from crucifixion. Jesus did not shrink from death. It was no stranger to him. The Lord of all the living, finally, the giver of life itself, met death. No stranger and no friend. And here in our gospel, we see what happens when Jesus meets death. The procession going the other direction has to stop. And at his word, Jesus says, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man gets up. Death retreats. The man rises. And the final showdown, the last battle, where the Lord of life himself met his enemy, his arch enemy on the battlefield of the cross, where it appears that Jesus does not fight it, he met death willingly. And he died calmly, peacefully, with only a few words on his lips, words of forgiveness, 
Words of care for his mother. Words of completion. It is finished. And finally, trust. But make no mistake, death is no friend. Jesus' death was no friend. This was his enemy. And in his death, death itself was undone. He destroyed it by enduring it. Now understand, the death that he suffered is the one that is no stranger and no friend to you. It's the one that's coming, the one that you fear, is the death that Jesus died. The death he destroyed is yours. He died for you. And yet, you live, and death is still no stranger or friend to you. It is still your enemy, and it will still come. Though it is not a stranger or friend, we must not shrink from it. We must not run from it. We can't. And it should not take us by surprise. But we may learn from Jesus to prepare for it, to walk towards it, and to learn to mock it as the defeated enemy that it is. And so you prepare to meet death every day. For every single day you rise as one who has been baptized into the death of Jesus. And by daily contrition and repentance, the old Adam in you is drowned and it dies with all evil deeds and evil desires. And you prepare to meet death every week, every Lord's Day. When you come here and participate in the death of Jesus by taking into yourself the very crucified one, the one whose flesh and blood are not dead, not rotting in the grave, but are in fact living in your body by faith in him. And you prepare to meet death every time you accompany one of your fellow Christians to his resting place, grieving perhaps, but not as those who have no hope. You go there to meet death, to prepare to meet death, he is no stranger to you, to you. You know him. You recognize him. You've seen him in the cross of Jesus. And therefore, you know that he's defeated. So you go. You can go and you can meet death anytime, anywhere. And you can say to him, Death, you cannot end my gladness. I am baptized into Christ. When I die, I leave all sadness to inherit paradise. Though I lie in dust and ashes, faith's assurance brightly flashes. Baptism has the strength divine to make life immortal mine. Are you saying, death, I now decry thee, fear I bid thee cease? You say, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? You say, death, you are no stranger to me. I know you. You are no stranger to me, but neither is Jesus who has defeated you. And death, 
You are not my friend. But Jesus is. My truest, best, and kindest friend. He met you first. For me. Fought for me. Kicked your teeth in. Pulled out your stinger and your claws. So that I can too. Without fear. We'll meet. But with my Savior at my side, we'll meet death and we'll be prepared. But not alone. Amen. Please do. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join now in confessing the Christian faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty.
In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For confidence in Christ, who is risen to put an end to death, that we would not lose heart in the face of sorrow, but that the Spirit would strengthen us with his power, and that we would know the love of Christ, that through him we will no longer weep. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all laborers and their protection, that their work and would be done not from self-interest, but in love for their neighbors, and for the unemployed and underemployed, that God would sustain them and bring their gifts to full use for the benefit of all. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those whose work is in media, that all communication may be accomplished in the light of truth and be pleasing in the sight of God, whose word is truth. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For widows, shut-ins, and those who live alone, that as God gave aid to the widows of Zarephath and Nain, he would also provide faithful friends and companions to the lonely, encouraging them in faith and love. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who are ill or receiving treatments, that they would be relieved of discomfort and granted healing and recovery according to God's will, and so glorify him in all things. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who receive the sacrament this day, that they would rejoice at Christ's visitation with his body and blood and receive the gift of sins forgiven in true faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. All these things and whatever else you know that we need, grant us, Father, for the sake of him who died and rose again and now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who having created all things, took on human flesh and was born of the Virgin Mary. For our sake, he died on the cross and rose from the dead to put an end to death, thus fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. Almighty and most merciful Father, send down upon us the grace of your Holy Spirit, and through your holy word be pleased to bless and sanctify these, your gifts of bread and wine, 
that they may be the body and the blood of your most dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Therefore, O Lord, according to his institution, we, your servants, celebrate here before your divine majesty. With these, your holy gifts, the commemoration your Son has willed us to make. Remembering his blessed passion, mighty resurrection, and glorious ascension, we give you most hearty thanks for the innumerable benefits he has secured for us. And we humbly ask you to grant that by his merits and death and through faith in his blood, we and your whole church may receive forgiveness of sins and all other benefits of his passion. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. We give thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us with this holy supper. We pray that through it you will strengthen our faith in you and increase our love for one another. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Good morning. Just a, a word uh, this during this week, I did receive a call to serve as a pastor of uh, two churches in Nebraska, uh, Trinity Lutheran in Grafton.